Hey, podcast people, how's it going? This is Azrin, the language nerd here. I'm the owner of the Calgary Language Nerds. And this is an episode of Midnight Talks. So Midnight Talks, these are podcast episodes that I record after midnight. After midnight, I tend to get some of my most philosophical thoughts. These philosophical thoughts are are the thoughts that guide my decisions on a day-to-day basis. And whenever I feel like it, I will make podcasts to share some of the philosophical thoughts that I'm having in the hopes that you can hear them and maybe learn something from them too and take them and implement them into your into your life. And today I want to share something based on a conversation I had with a friend of mine. I've known this individual for approximately 10 years, but we've only been friends, good friends, let's say, I would say for approximately three or four years. We don't live in the same city, so our relationship is entirely virtual. We have Skypes and Zooms and phone calls and things of that nature. And the other day, about two weeks ago, we had a phone call. <clears throat> it's important. One important detail is that my friend runs two separate businesses, and that's what he does for work. So we're, we're having a conversation, and on the phone, my friend told me an interesting story. He said that in his business life, in his work life, He's often questioning what kinds of things are going to go wrong in his businesses. And once he's determined, oh, these are the things that are likely to go wrong or might go wrong, he then starts to prepare for those things to go wrong. And he puts things in place to make sure if those things go wrong, he's prepared for it. And he does this all the time. He especially does this when he's seeing really, really good results and really fast growth in the business, which is something that's happening in one of his businesses right now. In one of his businesses, he's having lots of rapid growth, much faster than what he's expecting. So he gets nervous, it might be the right word, but not so nervous that it becomes debilitating. But he is getting slightly nervous to say, okay, things are going really well, so I better make sure that I'm ready for a crash or things to come crashing down. Because sometimes in in life, as well as business, when things are going up faster than you can really explain, sometimes there's there's something wrong or there's some things are going to come down faster than you expected. And so it's it's he, in his it's his belief that you should be prepared for that. And he was sharing that with me. Now, this reminded me of something that I do personally. Where not really I do, but this is something it reminded me of something that Something that, what's the word? Uh, It reminded me of, of how I view life in general, not just business. But one thing I think a lot about is what kinds of things could go wrong in my life. For instance, just two weeks ago, or three, uh, two weeks ago, yes, I was thinking to myself that my car might break. My car has no problems with it, by the way. It shouldn't break. It should last me another long time but i was thinking to myself my car might break it's not the newest car in the world it's got quite a few kilometers not so not so many kilometers that it could break any day but it has a hundred and over a hundred thousand kilometers on it and i was thinking man if that car breaks i'm gonna have to go buy a new car and that's going to put unnecessary strain on my bank account that i do not want to put on the bank account so i thought to myself okay this is a risk that could happen. This is something that could come true. There's a likelihood of this happening. Therefore, 
what I should do is I should figure out how much I can sell my car for now, take that money, combine it with some of the savings I have, and then buy a new car now instead of waiting for this car to break. Because when this car breaks, a, I will get $0 for that car and I'll have to pay directly out of my bank account. If I sell it now, I get some money for it and then, and I can combine it with some money I have saved up to buy a new car. So that's something I thought about. On a similar train of thought, I thought about my phone. My phone has no problems with it. But I was thinking to myself, hmm, my phone could break and then I'm in trouble and then I am in an urgent need to get a phone. And when you're in an urgent need to get a phone, you can't really get a good deal. But if you're not in really an urgent need, you can take your time, you can negotiate, you can look for good deals, and you can get a good deal. And therefore, I got a great deal on a new phone. <laughs> I actually got one. I don't use it yet. It's sitting in the box in my upstairs, actually. But I did get a new phone. And I got a great deal on it because I was able to take my time to do all the research and do it properly. Because I wasn't in a rush. I do this in more serious ways, too. I think about... I think about how my decisions now impact my my future quality of life. I think about that often. I think about my last 30 to 40 years of life. Because here's the thing people don't realize. <clears throat> people don't realize or they don't they real they know it at some level but they don't they don't think about it enough. They don't they don't think about the fact that if you don't take care of your health during the first, the first, let's say, 40 years of your life, the last 40 to 50 years are not nearly as good. And 40 to 50 years of not good, of a lower quality of life is not good. I've seen it happen too many times. I've seen it, with my, I've seen it happen with my grandpa. I see it happen with my mom, in a way. I've seen it happen with all sorts of people. And it's not good. It's just really not good. Um, I think there's a comedian who put it best. And he said, uh, he said um, that a lot of 20, or his, his joke was something to the effect of a lot of 20-year-olds think that they're invincible and they don't take care of their body. Almost as if they think that when they hit 50, they're just going to die automatically. And he said, well, no, what, what actually happens is you hit 40 or 50 and you just have a shitty second half of your life. <laughs> you just have lots of problems and you have to deal with all these problems. So I think about that and, I, and it affects my day-to-day -day decisions. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not perfect when it comes to health. I just am not. The strategy I've decided to take, and maybe it's the wrong strategy to be honest, I'm questioning it actually. The strategy I decided to take in 2016 was, okay, let me take baby steps on a day-by-day -day basis. And in a 10-year window, and by 2026, I'm gonna be making all the right decisions for my health. Like I'll be making really all the right decisions. I'll be super, super happy. Maybe I need to move faster on that. I don't know. But 2020, 20, 2016 was five years ago. And it's been five years. I'm halfway there. I'm pretty happy with what I've done in five years. But I do wonder, like, man, maybe I got to speed up on that. Maybe I do have to make better health decisions faster and stop taking baby steps. But regardless, it's something I think about. And I try. I try. Because I think about what could go wrong. I think about getting really sick when I'm old and all the needles that means for me at the hospital and the uncomfortable operations and procedures and having to live in the hospital, having no energy. There's weird stuff, man. You got to see the weird stuff that happens to people sometimes. 
the very uncomfortable things that happen to you when, you're, when your health is bad after the age of 40 or 50. Lots of bad stuff happens. You can't walk anymore. You have pain. You live with pain. It's just really, really bad. It's not good. <clears throat> so I think about that, right? On an even more extreme level, I think about... This is where things get weird, guys, so bear with me. But I think about weird extremely bad things that could happen without any warning. I think about a bomb exploding two blocks away, three blocks away, four blocks away, and that completely changes your life in, a, in the blink of an eye. I think about, I think about betrayal in a way. Betrayal is always a big one. Betrayal gets people, man. Betrayal gets people. I know from experience, I remember, I know someone who, without going into crazy details, I I knew someone for a number of years and how do I say this without giving too many details about the person let's just say that we let's just say I know someone who let's just say there's someone I knew who turned out to not be the person that I thought that that person was and there's a deeper story there, but I don't want to share too many details. I don't think the person would ever come across this. I don't think there'd be a problem, but still, best to be on the safe side. But betrayal always gets people, right? Betrayal always gets them. I think about that. Betrayal, right? I think about all sorts of stuff. House fire happens unexpectedly, lose all your stuff. Like, I think about those kinds of things, right? And I suppose... The reason I wanted to share that is because I think some a lot of people don't think about those things. And perhaps one could make the argument that it's rightly so. Maybe people would say, well, why would I think about those things? They make me unhappy. They make me scared. I, which is true. They, they, they do. They really can. I remember the first time I heard, a, I heard this speaker <clears throat> once say that he imagines on a regular basis that his entire family died. He imagines that. And I was like, whoa. And when I first heard that, it, it, it messed with me for months and months and months and months. Because then I started, I started to think about that kind of stuff. And I didn't like it. It made me feel really scared and yucky. And it, wasn't, it didn't make me feel good. <clears throat> but then after something like six months or so, maybe a year, maybe something like that, six months to a year approximately, I, I sort of understood what, why he said that. And the reason is that when you... The reason is that there are so many things that could go wrong and we just ignore them. We just don't think about them. And we live we live in our day-to-day -day lives without realizing that our day-to-day -day lives will be interrupted in our in our lifetime once if not multiple times. What the the routines we have will be disrupted by things that you don't expect. You lose your job, you lose your house, COVID happens, things happen, divorce happens, someone dies, like things happen and, and we live, all of us, m many people live in such a way where they, they don't even think about the fact that there are other things, that, that they're they don't even think about the fact that their life is going to change unexpectedly. And they don't think about it at all. And so when it happens, they were, they were taken completely off guard. Completely off guard.
And I think when you think about those kinds of things, right, when you think about the things that could go wrong, and you don't have to think about it all day, every day, because that, that's not a good idea. You'll get very, you'll live a life of fear, and it, it'll be very bad for your mental health. But every now and then, thinking about those kinds of things may not be a bad idea. Now, you don't have to go to the extreme that I do, where I think about war and crazy things like that, betrayal, and like that might just be me, right? And maybe I don't know if everyone has to do that. I definitely do. I think about those things. But maybe that's just me, right? If, if, if you're the type of person where you know yourself, that if you think about that, it's going to spend, send you into a spiral of anxiety, and depression that is going to be very bad for you, then maybe you don't want to go down that route. But thinking about some of the stuff that could go wrong, even if it's just some smaller level things, that's a very good idea. It allows you to plan for the future, by the way. Think about this. If you just, this is a scary thought, but this is one you have to think about. You have to think about the impact your, your decisions have today on future you. Like, that's for sure. You have to, th one thing, here's what you have to think about. You do have to think about the potential bad things that are going to happen in the future. Now, you don't have to go crazy and think about crazy bad things that might happen in the future, but you do have to think about the realistic things that might go wrong in the future or that are likely to go wrong in the future. The realistic things that are likely to go wrong, those ones you have to think about. For example, you getting sick in your 60s or 70s or 80s or whatnot, that's a realistic thing that might happen. So you should do something now on a day-by-day -day basis to minimize the risk of those kinds of, of the sicknesses hitting you or at least pushing the sicknesses back to a later age so you can have the highest quality of life possible. That's a very logical thing to think about and to really understand like, oh my God, this could happen to me. Right, or thinking about Thinking about um, if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you have no savings, you have to think about the fact that what happens when you lose your job? Because here's the thing, people lose their jobs a lot. It happens. It's not, it doesn't happen once in a while. It happens often. And they were not expecting it. You have to think about that. And you have to do something to change that. You have to figure out how to save money. You don't have a choice. Well, I suppose you have a choice, but... Then when you lose, if slash, well, I'm going to say when you lose your job, because eventually people do lose their jobs, or you quit your job because you don't like it anymore, your boss is a jerk, and and you quit your job. Well, it's going to be very stressful for you if you weren't saving any money. You have to think about that, because that's something very realistic that could go wrong, or a, a change that really might happen. Really, it might happen. There's a high like, there's a good likelihood of it. Right? Or when you get... Uh, this one I tread a bit more lightly in saying because I don't have a lot of personal experience with it, but this is just a theory that I have. You have to think about the fact that when you get married, there's a good chance you're going to get divorced. <sighs> now, that's a big one. That's something I think about. Now, I'm single, and so take that one with a grain of salt because I'm not speaking with a lot of experience there. But you have to realize that there's a chance stuff's not going to work out. Now, it doesn't mean you don't try. It doesn't mean don't get married. But you have to have that in your head that, hey... In five to ten years, this might fall apart. So that means you better be very cautious with the decisions that you make. You don't break the bank 
you don't completely break the bank on your wedding and your honeymoon. You don't say, well, I have $30,000 saved up and I'm trying to build a life with this person. So let's spend 15 grand on the wedding and eight grand on the honeymoon. And, and then we're going to, um, whatever it is, right? I'm going to spend this $30,000 early on in this wedding, in my, in my marriage. Well, that's probably not a good idea because there is a good likelihood that in five years, you're not going to be together. There's some likelihood around it. You have to think about those things. Still get married, have a great wedding, great honeymoon, do your thing, like, but, but hold back a little bit financially, for example, right? Or, or th be a little bit, you have to be smart about it. You still have to be a little smart about things, right? So you have to think about things that might go wrong, that there's a realistic chance of things, of it maybe not working out. Yeah, I think it's important to think about those things. The marriage one, I'm on the fence. I, I, I say that very cautiously because I don't have a lot of experience in that respect. So maybe that's not the best example possibly. But some of the other ones I gave, like these are things that I feel pretty confident in saying. I feel pretty confident. So yeah, that's what's on my mind today. That's what's on my mind today. The other, I'll, I'll share one more thing and then we'll wrap this up. I have to go to sleep soon anyway. It's 1.55 at night. Um, I have one more thing on my mind and it's related to what I was talking about, but it's semi unrelated to, and it has to do with finances. Something I have a, a big passion for, perhaps an equal passion for as language learning is basic personal finances. And I mean like basic, basic. When I say basic, I literally mean when you earn money, how do you manage that money? That's it. When you earn, when you get a paycheck, what, where does that money go? How do you break that money up? How much, where does, like, how much do you save? How much do you spend? How much goes towards your retirement? Like, how do you organize that money? So I'm not like an investment expert. I'm not a, I don't know what stocks and bonds. I mean, I invest some money, but I don't know a lot about it. It's mostly my uncle who works in that industry that he kind of manages that for the most part. So that stuff I don't really know a lot, a lot about. I will learn more about it eventually. I will learn more about it because I think it's important. But on a, it's just minimally, when you get a paycheck, understanding what to do with that money is something I'm very, very passionate about. I had the luck, the, the good fortune of at the age of 12, my, having my mother teach me assist, teach me a very effective system that if you implement starting from the age of, let's say under 18, when you don't really have a lot of expenses, when you're still in high school or younger, if you get in the habit of using that system, then it is the most life changing, one of the most life changing things that could happen to a person. Because when they're older, they're going to keep doing that. And it's going to change their lives. It's one of the top, I don't know, top 10, maybe top 10, something like that. It is life changing. Here's how it works. I'll, I'll just explain it to you. So the, the way it works is you've got six different, six different bank accounts. One bank account is for your retirement. One bank account is for day-to-day -day spending for fun eating out in restaurants, going to movies, buying drinks, things like that. That's two. One bank account is for education, whether that be formal college education, university education, or just be 
you paying for things that where you learn something new tennis courses or you learn about just learning paying to learn something new that's an important it's important to learn new things fourth bank account is to give to charities or for any kind of charitable cause fifth bank account is a is a savings account but a savings account that is meant to be spent so this could be for vacations so large purchases like a vacation this is also kind of like your rainy day fund your rainy day fund in case you need extra money for something um, this is money that you save and you accumulate, but the purpose is eventually to spend it on something, which compared to your, your retirement fund, you never touch. You are not allowed to touch that money. It's your retirement or it's for investing or it's kind of an investment, but not risky investments. It's for investing for your actual retirement in your future. <clears throat> and the sixth bank account, what am I forgetting? The sixth one is I'm forgetting something. What am I forgetting? Uh, I'm forgetting, what's the sixth bank account? Huh. I got that one. I got education. Uh, there's a sixth bank account and I can't remember. Oh, duh, the most important. Oh yeah, this is the big one. And the sixth one is necessities, your living expenses, rent, mortgage, food, bills, things like that. That's your sixth one. So I'll say those again. Retirement is, is bank account number one. Um, let's say fun. Like it's called actually called play is what the individual who made this system he calls it play. Now, <laughs> the guy who made the system, smart guy, I, I think, but the business he runs is a very, um, I, I feel very, I almost feel, I feel almost scared just to say the business name because I don't, a lot of his programs, I don't know if I fully endorse, but this one thing he talks about, I think is, is really, really good. Um, the business is called, uh, what is the business called actually? I remember the guy's name. The guy's name is T, like the letter T, Harv Ecker, but the business he runs is a very, has a get rich quick vibe to it. So I'm quite averse to his business. I went to some of his seminars when I was really young and while I've learned a lot from it, it's, it got me down the path of going in business and everything. I had some really wonky ideas about how much like becoming a millionaire in a year and some strange ideas. So I'm always cautious to even mention the business name, but this one little narrow thing about personal finance has been a life changer for me. And my mom taught it, me, taught it to me when I was really young. I didn't even know he made it until I was older. But anyway, so you have your retirement. You have your play account, which is for going out, having fun, going to dinner, buying drinks, things like that. <clears throat> so retirement, play, long-term savings for the purpose of spending. So long-term savings for the purpose of spending. So this is where you save for vacations, your rainy day fund, things like that. You then have education where you pay for things to learn something new. You then have your charitable, your charity account or something that's used for charitable donations and such. And your last account is necessities, bills, rent, living expenses, groceries, things like that. Now, when you have this system, right, there's certain percentages that go into each account. Now, the, some of the accounts have minimums, some of them have maximums. Your purse, your expenses account, your personal, uh, um, not expenses, your living expenses account is a maximum of 55% of your income. 55% is the maximum. It cannot be more. You probably want it to be less if you can swing it. So you have to figure out how to make it 55%. Now, if you're already well established in your life, you got a job and kids and house and mortgage, it's much more difficult to make that work. It's, it's much more challenging, right? And I don't want to really go down that path today. 
Um, but that's the percentage he shares. And I think what was really lucky for me as a child is that was implemented at a very young age. So I've always had these numbers in my head. Now, I was actually told 33% for necessities growing up. Now, 55 is what I've looked on his website. I was like, oh, it's actually 55, what? But in my head, I've always thought it's a third. That's what I was told by my mom. She's like, it's a third of your expenses. Third of your income goes towards living expenses. So that's why I live at home. That's why I don't move out because I don't, if I were to move out, it would be really, I mean, I could make it with 55% of my income paying for expenses. Like I could do that, but man, in my head, I've got the number 33% and I can't move out of my mom's house and live on 33% expenses. Like I can't do that. I don't think I earn enough to do it. Anyway, so 55% maximum for your living expenses. <clears throat> okay. Your retirement is a minimum of 10% of your income. Play is a minimum of 10% of your income. Education, minimum of 10% of your income. Uh, Long-term savings for the purpose of spending, minimum of 10% of your income. Charitable donations, minimum of 5% of your income. These are minimums for those ones as the maximum for your living expenses. So that's a life change. Like I was taught, I was raised with this from the age of 12. I was raised and I was given much more ambitious percentages. Like I was told like, like 20% minimum for education. <laughs> I think that's the number I was raised with. 33% maximum for your necessities. So I was raised in a much more stringent and strict system. But when you're 12, you don't know any better, right? So you're like, oh, that's just how life is. So you're raised that way and that's how you view money. That's just how you view it, right? Life-changing system. So one thing I, listen, I would not be shocked if in a five to 10 year window, this becomes a significant part of my life where I create either a business or a nonprofit, something I do for free, like I'll figure it out, where the entire focus is to work with people that are under the age of, let's say 17, 17 and younger, maybe even 18 and younger, work with them and teach them to teach them this system, this kind of system or something and work with them on personal finance, work with them on it and get them set up, get good habits built early because it's a life changing it's a life-changing thing. And I honestly, I'll be honest with you, it's something I'm super passionate about. I think the way that even adults today, like I think a vast majority of us do not view, we do not, we do not spend our money in the right kinds of ways. Like so many people literally view their money like this, savings and spendings, savings and spending. That's not a good way to view it. Because listen, you can't just do savings and spending. What does savings mean? You can't just have a savings account doesn't work that way. What do you mean savings and spending? What are you saving for? Because then are you saving to buy something? Or are you saving for your retirement? Well, immediately that now you, it forces you to make three accounts. Because you have to save for your retirement. You have to. Do you know, like, there's a documentary on Netflix right now. I mean, you got to watch it. You have to watch this documentary. It's called Money Explained. Don't even watch the whole docuseries. I want you to watch the final episode on retirement. The numbers are bonkers on how many people are not going to have money at retirement. It's bonkers. In the U.S. right now, in Canada, it's similar numbers. U.S. right now, uh, I think it's, oh God, what's, I, I, I got to watch the, the statistic again. But I'm pretty sure it was the average 65-year-old right now has enough saved for the retirement to continue their current lifestyle to their early 70s when the life expectancy will take them to their mid 80s that's scary man 25 percent of the u.s workforce um right now <clears throat> has zero dollars saved for the retirement zero that is a big problem that's a big problem
That's a huge problem. That's not good. It's not good, man. That's a real issue. In Canada, in Canada, in 2020, the maximum amount that people earned on CPP, on their Canadian pension plan, so that's kind of like Social Security in the U.S. So, uh, Social Security, is that right? Uh, yeah. So when you retire, right, you get a certain amount of money. You've been paying a certain amount of money your whole life into this, into CPP, and then you're eligible to then be paid a certain amount of CPP per month. The maximum in 2020 was, I believe, $1,275.01, if I remember correctly. That was the maximum one could earn. The average person made $600 a month. $600 a month. That is not a lot. So if you don't have a good pension plan with your company, right? Like 600 bucks a month, like that's nothing. That's like below the poverty line. You're making $18,000 a year. Like, 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 no, wait, did I do that right? Sorry. Uh, sorry, what? That, that's, sorry, that's wrong math. Sorry. $600 a month, what is that? So that's uh, six times, uh, so 60, 72, $7,200 a year. Is that right? Yes, $7,200 a year. <clears throat> Like what, like, like you're below the poverty line. You're on the street, basically. You're basically on the street. Like, that's not good. Especially when you're older, you have more health problems, man. You got more issues. You need more money. That's really problematic. So I'm super passionate about basic, the most basic personal finance. Not even investing. Just when you get your paycheck, where does the money go? What do you do with your money? How much do you save? Like, how much you save, what do you save it for, what kind of accounts do you go, what percentages do you break your money up into. And then eventually I'll probably get passionate about the investing side of things too, once I know more about it. I just don't know enough about it right now to really have a good passion for it. But boy, oh boy, I care about that more than I care about language learning, actually. <clears throat> like, seriously. Uh, like, seriously. <sighs> yeah, man. If there's one thing I can implore you to do is you've got to look at one actionable thing I want you to do. Everybody listening to this, one actionable thing I want you to do is this actually, wait, let me think about this numbers. Let me give you a real, let's think here. So if you make, let's see here, screw it. This is a number actionable thing. Everybody, I don't, like, everybody who, who get, who makes it this far in the podcast, 100% of you, you must, you must boy, I'm going to jump out the earphone and like whack you in the face if you don't do this. You must at all costs. I'm serious. I will whack out of your earphone. If you don't do this, if you don't say it out loud with me, I promise to do this. If you don't say, I promise you, Azard, I'm going to do this. And you don't deliver on this expectation. You can, you can expect me to slip out of that headphone that's in your ear right now and go inside your ear and like cause you the, like, you don't know what you don't, you don't want me in your brain, man. You don't want me going through your headphone into your ear. Like, Whew, you see those alien movies? Well, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna pull an alien on you. If you got speakers, well, I'm going in your ears, man. Like you do not, like promise me, okay? To not do this, like it's gonna be really bad. Like you must promise me <clears throat> that immediately after this podcast, for the rest of your life, you save. What number am I giving you? I don't even care what the number is. You save $1 per month intentionally. One. Should be more. 
but I want you to do at least one per month that intentionally gets saved for your retirement. Now you might think, Azrin, $1 a month is 12 bucks a year. That doesn't make a difference. Well, yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't make a big difference. But the habit is way more important than the amount. The amount is important, but that's of secondary importance. You don't even, you don't even have the habit right now. You need to build the habit first and build on that amount. Everybody can save $1 a month. You must develop the habit of saving every month with every paycheck for your retirement. And if you're already doing it, well, if you already do that, that's good for you. What I want you to do now is I want you to look at if you save that amount, what do you, two steps. Number one, you're going to figure out what do you save per month. Multiply that number by 12. That's going to give you a yearly amount. I then want you to count, multiply that number by however many years you have left until you're 65. And I want you to see how much you have saved up. And then you have to ask yourself, if I save up that much money, is that going to be enough for me to support my lifestyle? Now, I get it. People have pensions. You have other things. You have investments. You might have other things you do, and that's fantastic, right? <clears throat> that's great. Um, you might have, you might have uh, you know, uh, Social Security you get or CPP that you get paid if you're in Canada or whatever you have in your country. Like, those other things. You might not have to fully rely on your personal savings. So, of course, that's fantastic, right? And that's great. But you want to ask yourself, okay, if I save this much money, is that going to be enough for the next 30 years, 20 to 30 years of my life when I add it to my pension and things of that nature? Is that going to be enough personal savings? And really, what I actually want to say, I just know it's not realistic for a lot of people, but I should say it. Why not? Like, why, who said it's not realistic? I should say it. Here's where I really go. I don't like to rely on the government to pay my pension, my CPP payments. Like, I don't want to have to rely on that government to pay me the $600 a month. Because what if the, what if we get one, two or three idiot government people in a row, idiot presidents or prime ministers in a row, and like they spend too much money and the country goes into like a really bad place and I don't get a pension anymore. Well, that's going to be a real problem, isn't it? Right? Or I don't, I don't get my CPP payments anymore. Well, that's going to be a really big problem, isn't it? I'm going to be screwed. Right? Or what if like, uh, like, what if something happens? Like, what if you don't know? Like, what if you have a pension at work, but then the guy who ran the company was actually stealing all the pension money? That happened in the TV shows I was watching. And you didn't know that. You assumed it's there, but it wasn't there. And you find out when you're going to retire that you have no pension. This happened to a buddy of mine, actually, in, in a way, uh, in a different way. He was going to school. He signed up. He went back to school, actually. Good for him to go into to kind of increase his education and go on a different career path. Like, good for him. Amazing. Yay. Hallelujah. Love it. One of the reasons he went back to school, or one of the things he thought when he's going back, is that his dad was actually, his dad has actually saved up money for his education, friend of mine. And the dad told him like, hey, yeah, I've got money saved for education. My, my friend's like, oh, cool. Because I don't really have a lot saved, but I'm willing to get like a part-time job and like, maybe pay you back or whatever the case is. I don't want to get student loans though. Dad's like, yeah, no worries, go apply. My friend finds out, what are we in July based June? So June, uh, July, August. My friend finds out three months before the semester starts, September, that his dad's like, actually I spent all the money. I spent all your, your money on your college money, your university money. It's like, what? Dude, that kind of stuff happens at work too. Like that kind of weird stuff happens from time to time. So you got to be ready, man. So like the way I view it is I want to have, I want to be fully in charge of my retirement. I want to have everything done through personal savings, through investments, things like that. So really the question you want to ask yourself, if I were you, is with what you're saving per month, can you then fully support yourself without having to rely on anyone else?
That's the real question. If the answer is no, listen, not everyone has to do that because some of you might go, well, no, Azrin, I'm going to get my pension. I think I will get my social security, this, that, the other thing. Like, I get it, right? But still, you got to maximize that personal savings number. You got to maximize that, right? You got to maximize that. Now, the question becomes, how do you maximize it? Well, there's quite a few things. Ultimately, it all boils down to two things. A, you have to earn more money. Or B, you have to save more money. Or C, you have to do both. People don't... Saving money is simple in principle, hard in practice. Saving money comes down to simplifying your life, simplifying your lifestyle, right? Now, earning more money is also an option. People just don't know how to do it. Lots of ways to earn extra money. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. Um, it's already getting late, so I don't want to go until, like, I'm getting tired, actually, and I have my throat's getting dry, but there's lots of ways to save money, or to earn extra money. Lots. Tutor a language for crying out loud. It's a language learning podcast. Tutor five hours a week of languages on a side, right? Use italki.com. Become a tutor on italki.com. You'll get students out of it. Charge 15 bucks an hour. You'll make an extra, you'll earn an extra side income. You know, there's lots of stuff you can do. Um, and yeah, that's, like, I actually genuinely think about making a business around that. Or even a nonprofit. Like, I don't even know if I want to make money off of that, to be honest. Because, like, like, I genuinely just want people to have the knowledge. And, like, it's kind of like language learning. Like, I want to build a business around language learning and, like, earn an income around that, blah, blah, blah. Like, I want to. But I care primarily that people learn a language. And I don't, I just want to help people out. That's the primary goal I have. Um, and the profit and stuff, of course, I need it because I have to pay my bills. And I have my own retirement goals and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> But, like, as much as I want to earn money, I equally want to just help people learn a language. They're tied in my mind. So I just do what I can to help people learn a language. Enough people that I work with end up paying me that it all works out in the end. So, okay, it's 2.15. I got to go to sleep. Wow, 38 minutes on this podcast. That's the longest one I've made in a long time. So have a great night. We'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.